You're listening to The Blend. Drum and bass interviews for Lowering Theory with the Reverend Kathy Russell. Hi, this is the Reverend Kathy Russell. Our next artist in this series hails all the way from Western Australia in the city of Perth. Having released music on Metalheads, Ohm Resistance, Icarus Audio, and many more, this is the Low End Theory Mix interview with Jason Robb, a.k.a. Jace. Hi, Jason. How are you? I am doing great. Now, we are on uh, almost opposite sides of the world, and because of the wonders of technology, we can be together today, which is, which is great. So thank you for taking the time to uh, uh, give the interview today. Thanks for being very kind for me, uh, doing, you know, my time zone being 9 a.m., you know, this is a nice, easy time slot for me. So thank you for that. Good, yeah. And, and I think it's always a good time to catch people when they're fresh. Um, so tell me about the scene in, in Perth. Uh, is it a very large scene? You know what? It, it does have a, a, a very healthy scene. I, I'm not as uh, involved in it as I used to be back in the day. Um, but, uh, you know, and kids, I don't get out as much. But I, I do, you know, try and get out a couple of times a year and play a gig when I've got some fresh new music to play. And, and, and I'm friends with some promoters here. So, you know, when, when those opportunities, opportunities arise, I like to take them. But, yeah, not so involved as I used to be. But, um, yeah, the scene is thriving and, and there's some great producers here, some great DJs, and, and you know, they keep it ticking. That's great. Now, are you a big, uh, do, you, do you normally play out a lot in general, or are you more of a studio person? I'm definitely more of a studio guy, and, and, uh, and I've kind of always been that way. Um, I, I consider myself, you know, a songwriter over, over a DJ, first and foremost, but, uh, and, and I really love the uh, process of creating the music over playing it but when i when i have my own music to play i do like to get out there and, and test it see how it goes on a system and see if a crowd enjoys it but yeah i, I especially these days you know just in my current lifestyle and situation you know being my age i i, I only get out a couple of times a year to, to have a play but yeah i i understand that you you took a hiatus uh from the scene for a while and that uh you're recently uh you've recently returned um can you speak to that i or is uh, was it uh, just some personal things uh anything like that that you can speak to yeah it was it was more it was more i kind of grew up in the scene in the late 90s and early 2000s oh nice me going too to yeah yeah going to parties here you know i was a kid and there was a really great all ages scene here in perth you know at the, at the sort of birth of the the drum and bass thing here and um being a um kind of young kid in the late 90s and 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 those parties being available you know i i really dug into the music really 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 grew to love it and uh but sort of towards you know the mid 2000s when the sound was kind of changing a bit and there was a lot of different um branches with within the music and the scene yeah, I, I just decided for a change. You know, I'd, I'd always grown up playing drums, and so I thought I'll join a band and and um and and start playing music in the live scene. And I did that, you know, for a good part of ten years, and did some great records with bands, and travelled around the world, and 
yeah, just, you know, really dug into that side of music and, and the creation of it in that way. Um, but sort of around oh, 2018, I, I rediscovered my record collection. Oh, my dad yes. Was yeah. Well, and and when, when you dig back into those old records, you know, it's hard not to get the bug back. So. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I I call that era around 2000, or that was kind of around when Bad Company, you know, really made the the splash on the scene. And I call yes. it everybody. Be, I call it harder than now. That everybody, you know, <laughs> that's when you started getting um just the, every, everybody was just wanting to be Bad Company. You know, I felt like, and so it just got to be the it got harder and harder where it was like, okay, this is. This is just noise. This is a little over the top. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? We all loved it. And and especially like there was a great warehouse party scene over here. And we loved the bad company guys when they came out and the Ed Russian optical and the conflict guys and cause for concern, you know, uh, Thacker and Skynet. Uh, it, it was a something that I really dug into that kind of sound. Awesome. And, um, yeah. And, 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 you know, I really got into the nitty gritty of wanting to be able to make that sound as well, you know, and, and, um, yeah, it was, it was a great time for the technology and, and, and the knowledge that was flying around as well, that people were sharing online. The online thing was kind of new at the time too. Yes. So yes, yeah, you could really, you could really get great information from great producers. Um, and, and everyone was quite liberal and free with it. Um, Whereas these days it may not be quite so liberal like that, but mm. back then it was a great melting pot for all kinds of uh, sounds and 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 different types of arrangement, and and everyone was being quite free with it. So it was a beautiful time for the music. I agree. I I, I agree. Yeah. I mean, we were going through something similar here in the states uh, around that time. So, uh, and then having the the internet that we were able to shared those ideas and and build that yes. scene was really remarkable uh that's i mean that's one of my favorite things about the drum and bass scene is is that it has a very strong community yes uh, factor to the scene that i find that yes. it makes for a really flourishing environment and now with with covid and everybody on lockdown we we've all really relied a lot more on online that i think that it's made us all even more intertwined definitely definitely and i think i think it you have to sort of give credit to the the, the originators of of the the scene in the UK and and creating that culture that was so infectious. Like yes. you, you you really wanted to be part of it, even even out here and 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 where where you are in the state, like so far from from the original location yeah. where it began, but that culture was so strong that you know everyone. Or, or the underground kind of wanted to be part of that and and dig in and, and get a feel for what that was about and and uh, I I know it's changed a bit nowadays like it's become really a global sound and and anyone can partake in it but back then there was really something special about finding it and then really um, you know digging into it and 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 becoming part of that. Now, can and, you um, remember what song really got you into drum and bass? Was there a moment, an aha moment? There, there were some early, uh, there were some early releases. Um, uh, the first records that I bought and heard were the was the Talk LP on No U Turn. Oh, nice! Which is a very, yeah, the kind of origination of of 
of that tech step sound. But once I'd heard that, then I went back and listened to the Metalhead stuff, Metropolis by Adam F. And then as the years progressed from 97 onwards with the Wormhole LP, Ed Russian Optical, yes. Inside the Machine, Bad Company, um, Clockwork LP, Stacker and Skynet, Tech Hitch's Diagnostics, the Moving Shadow stuff. Yeah. You know, oh, uh, once you dug in, it was just an endless, you know, endless stream of amazing music and, and just that feeling, you know, that ominous kind of darkness. So I, I really um, connected with that in my youth. So. Yeah, it was it, it was just a beautiful time. <laughs> well, then I'm I'm glad to hear that too that that you've been around for a while because when I found out that you had uh, that you're featured on NC17's track Holy Mountain on Metalhead, yeah, uh, I was uh, immediately a fangirl. Uh, that was what <laughs> Metalheads is one of the things that really got me into drum and bass. I went to London in '96, I think, and uh, oh, in the early days. Yes, yeah. I went to Metalhead Night at the Blue Note and just happened to just have that timing, and it was com- that I was completely blown away and was like, I'm going to bring this back to my town, and then I've been hooked ever since. Uh, well, there you go. You were you were part of that original vibe then, you know, and and it, it's legendary. Everyone still talks about that, you know, those those nights, the Blue Note or Speed or you know they, these not legendary nights in London you know and um you were part of that so it's you know once you catch that vibe right yeah that's a that's a good way to put it that's a really good way to put it so um yeah so let's talk about your production process are you are you a hardware guy are you a software person are you kind of both i i'm i'm a software person now but i i came up in the hard hardware kind of age you know as far as um knowledge and sound creation but i i um now the way i'm working is in the box but i'm I'm using quite a lot of sounds you know that i made or or um acquired back you know in the early 2000s when i was getting stuck into production i'd now and then will pull out my emu sampler and, and process some things through that but i don't have my desk plugged in anymore or anything like that but gotcha. so it is it is pretty i i still want that analog sound in my production mm-hmm. so so mm-hmm. the predominantly the samples or sounds that i'm using um have been created that way through you know analog gear um but yeah, if if I create sound in VSTs now, I'll still generally pull out my EMU and do some processing through it. Oh, nice. Um, um, yeah, just to just to get some uh, kind of um, that kind of tone in in the sounds or or whatever that I'm looking for, because I, I still have a love for that <laughs> that kind of sound, and and it might come across in my music as well. It, you know. Uh, in my in my own productions but um you know i think that's why some people are, are getting on board with with the things that i've done the last couple of years They're like oh it has a nostalgic vibe or a nostalgic feel and a lot of that's to do with the sounds that i'm using yeah um yeah now your your last release was on humanoid uh correct i, I believe it's carbon life form and you did that with alan correct 
Yes, with Alan. It actually hasn't been released yet, but it is in the mix that I just did below. Oh, oh, I hope I didn't give away any spoilers. I'm sorry. No, no, it's, it's been announced. No, that's been announced. So that's all good. It's coming out on the 4th of March. It's a various artist, the Cyborg's EP. So the track that I did is with Alan. He's um he's a techno guy, really great producer. Awesome. And um yeah, and and he sent me uh some stems. This is going back oh to you know late twenty twenty. We did that track. Oh okay. and um yeah, and and that was kind of what sort of put me on the path for you know the the current sort of sound that I'm working with, you know dusting off the old classic breaks and 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 getting sort of a more you know uh musical kind of tone to to my productions but um yeah alan's a great guy great producer we'll hopefully do some other things this year we'll wait and see but there's some other great guys on that collab uh, collaborative project the various artists um uh a release and um survey and protocol have a tune um and i love what those guys do zenon has a tune um uh, another collaboration on there as well critica so yeah there's there's a couple of great tracks on that release and um yeah yeah that's fantastic now i was curious as being someone that is that does play drums traditionally do you find that writing drums you know electronically is it something that comes easy to you yeah cuz i i've obviously with the patterns that that's something that comes easy and and i i generally start a track you know with the drum patterns and mm-hmm. uh, uh and work from there um but i i think when when you're editing breaks, um, like it can help to have a drum background because when you're working in audio, um, you kind of need to know where things are placed. And uh, so, sure, uh, so something that might take someone who's not a drummer some time to work a pattern out because I've worked in patterns most of my life. You know, I can tend to get that feeling quite solid quite quickly so fantastic um, yeah which which it which makes a big difference if you can get your drum track sounding good and you know sounding solid and and the pattern's right then i find it quite easy to then all right this is where the bass has got to be and this is where you know i can place other things around it um and and that's what i find helps you know, to get my workflow kind of moving quickly. Now, do you find um, that? Um, yeah. Do you find that you ever really finish a song? A lot of artists that I talk to, including when I'm making art of any kind and music, yeah. that I find that it's it's never really done. It's just it's good enough. It's good enough to go. But are, there's always something with it I always want to do. Are Are you that type of person, or can you walk away from? No, it? No, I'm not. I'm the opposite <laughs> of that. So. So I'm I'm a little bit more um, rough around the edges, you might say, like in the sense that uh, I, I it's not that I get bored with a track, but I like to um, move quite quickly. The the way that I write at the moment is I'll solidify the idea in my mind first. I'll have a track pretty much between 60 and 80% written before I open 
my DAW. Wow. So, so I, I need to have a solid idea before I take the time to record it because I, I don't know if you have a family or not, but I've found since having kids, yes. time can be limited. Um, and, and you, once you open the computer, that time really needs to be focused so that, you know, you can get your ideas down and, and get something finished because I I know I've known a lot of guys in the past who never finish anything, great producers, but they really struggle to get that final, you know, seal of approval from themselves, you know, to, to put something out but me I've really just learned that you know this is good enough let's move on let's you know and that way things stay fresh as well and and um you know the more I think you have approval from labels um you get a little bit more confidence in in your own Mm -hmm. sound and your own path the the uniqueness that you have you know as long as your mix down is good uh I'm finding, um, you know, there's certain things that can be done later. Um, but once you get the core track down, I think it's important to move on and start something new. And, um, you know, there's always tweaks to be made. Yeah. I I think, I think as well, it's important to have fun doing it. Right. And, and I think when it becomes tedious and you start to really get into the nitty gritty, like, I think I made the mistake of doing that early on. And and you find that you set deadlines for yourself and that helps? I don't so much set deadlines, but I, I do, because I start the recording process quite late in the writing process, if that makes sense. So yes. I, I'd like to have a really solid idea before I go in. And I kind of know that it's going to be strong before I start recording it so by the time I'm actually in the DAW and arranging the sound and putting it together um there's already a solid enough idea there that I know it's going to get finished if you know what I mean yeah so yeah so by the time I'm actually in there and doing it I'll spend a few hours arranging and and then once the arrangement is is complete I'll spend a few hours mixing down and then I, I move on. And uh, quite, quite a lot of the time, um, once I move on, you know, I'll, I'll do a send out and, and uh, get some feedback. And, and sometimes some feedback will come back um, that will say, oh, yeah, this has got a vibe or oh, I'm not really feeling this part or this or that. And I might go back in on certain parts. But generally, uh, the generally when I say it's finished, it's it's kind of done, and I don't really like to go back in too much. If it's not good enough, then so be it, and I'll just move on and do something else. Do you have a favorite plugin? Plugin wise, I, I I generally use the same things. Probably my favorite or, or my most valuable or used would be the fab filter eqs okay the pro q um i use the fab filter yeah the fab filter pro q is probably my favorite eq and then i use an api 2500 emulation for my my um compression oh nice which 
yeah, which is is my, you know, what I consider the secret weapon, you know, like, <laughs> and, um, and, and, you know, so whenever I talk about compression, I'll be talking about the API 2500 because I'm familiar with that unit and, and it's, uh, you know, very versatile and, and you can use it in quite a few different uh, ways. And then, you know, uh, I have my reverb and delay plugins that are by Valhalla, which, you know, are my go-tos as well. And that's really the only plugins I use. I probably use four or five different plugins in every track, and, and I like to keep it simple. Oh, kind of yeah. like in the old days. Yeah, like in the old days when you could only afford, like, one Focusrite EQ yeah. and, and one, one, you know, multi-effects unit that did your reverb and your delay and, and then the chorus from the EMU. And so you get quite good at just using a couple of pieces of gear. <laughs> yeah. And I find that, well, the, yeah. I find that that helps going from the, helps the learning curve. Yeah. When back in the, yeah. And then two thousands, when I first started producing, um, I I downloaded every plugin that I could get my hands on, you know, yes. Yes. Maybe native <laughs> format. But, you know, but the yeah. problem was I made the learning curve so high that I never learned yep. any of them. Yeah, it's the it's the cardinal sin really. It's it's kind of like um the 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 idea of too many options means zero work. Right. Because you know, you end up just scrolling through menus all day. Oh, maybe I'll try this one or maybe I'll try that. And and then you never get anything done. So, yeah, I, I made it, you know, especially going fully in the box, you know, I really made it a conscious effort to um, treat in the box the same way that I would a hardware studio. So I use the mixer in Cubase the same way I would a hardware mixer. I use plugins the same way I would hardware effects and um keeping it very simple very clean uh very um solid chains um rather than just banging in a million inserts on on a on a channel you know and and using send effects as well so many guys don't use send effects in the box and it's Mm. like it's such a powerful way to use the plugin and um, really can glue a track together as well using sends over individual inserts on a channel. So yeah, plus um, you're taking yeah. the processing power as well. Having, totally, uh, totally using up all your resources. Where with yep. have, yeah, I, 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 my day job is I work at Apple. I, I support Logic, and um, okay, yeah, yeah, you get you get the system overload call, and uh, uh, yep. and a lot of times it's they've got you know. They've got the same plugins on on. Turn off well. all your plugins, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Turn them all off, and you'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yep. Well, is there yep. anything that you have uh, uh, coming up that you want to tell us about, or that you can that you can tell us about? The the one thing coming is the humanoid various artists release next month on the the third uh, the fourth of March. Sorry, that'll that'll be out everywhere, and um. That's including some other great sort of artists in the tech step scene. Uh, out of uh, the labels on uh, called Humanoid out of Berlin, owned uh, by run by Protocol and Survey, and um, those guys are great and um, really pushing that that real authentic tech step tech step sound, which is 
awesome because, you know, there's, there's a lot of space for that in the scene. Yeah, and, definitely. Um, yeah, I, I think that, uh, that sound really needs to be championed and, um, and uh, the artists within that sound as well. And uh, I'm still riding the wave of the the of Peter NC17's Metalheads release and uh, and the excitement that came with that. And um, you know, for both of us, really, it was Peter's uh, debut on Metalheads. And, oh, um, I didn't know that. I mean, yeah, I, I'm definitely I, an NC17 fan. I love I love the harder stuff. Oh, uh, the guy is the guy is a weapon, absolute <laughs> weapon in the studio. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and a machine. Has a machine-like ethic. The guy is just a beast. No one works like him. And um, so I was really, really grateful to him just for the opportunity to work on something with him. And then we were lucky enough that, you know, that's the the, the route that that track went. And um, did you find? Yeah, that, it was a. Did you find that working with metalheads and having that sort of status you know so to speak did that open doors for you you think being that it was peter's release he had the um he was driving it basically so he was the one liaising with the label predominantly i was just giving bits of information about myself here and there but it it was essentially peter's release um but as far as opening doors for me um i was lucky that uh, beyond that release and because it did so well um, for Peter, um, you know, I was able to, as I was submitting uh, tracks to, to Ant for, you know, uh, for, as I was submitting tracks to Ant um, for his approval, um, he said, oh, the, this sounds like something that might be able to go on metalheads. And then he was, was able to give me a, um, an opportunity to um, submit music to Goldie and, and, and things have kind of developed from there. And um, so, so we'll see how things go in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Well, I want to, I want to thank you so much for your time. Uh, Now, where can we find your music? Is it, are you on Beatport? Are you on Juno? Where can we find your music? Yeah, you can find my music on any of those major um, major stores. Beatport is is a good one, um, but I'm pretty sure you can search in Apple, um, Juno, uh, all all of those stores. You know, will have stuff from me. And um, yeah, it's it's um, yeah, it's been going well. It's been a good couple of years. <laughs> Now, can we uh, can we follow you on social media? I understand you've got a, yes. a great Instagram that has a lot of great record pictures. I'm told. Yes. So, so my Insta- well, the Instagram was really the start of me getting back into production. Really, like when when I rediscovered my record collection, I just started cataloging, going through them and and rediscovering those. So each day I was posting a record and reconnected with a lot of old guys. A lot of the guys from the older scene, as well as some that are still in the scene and creating music, and and um, I, yeah, I just really got a passion back for it through doing the Instagram, and and then yeah, started writing music again. Um, you know, really through yeah that passion coming back from from digging into those old records. So that's uh, Jace uh, underscore D and B underscore archive. 
JSDNB archive. And then I have a Facebook for my music as well, um, JSDNB, um, and a SoundCloud too, which I don't post too much music on. I usually um, just use that for sharing uh, new music with labels, but um, I'll repost all of my mixes on my own SoundCloud and all of that sort of thing. So um, there's some mixes on there and some other music that I like that I repost, and yeah. Cool. We know where to find you. Uh, do you want yeah. to give any, you want to give any shout outs before we wrap things up? Just all my my guys, uh, you know that you know I'm I'm on this course with Peter NC Seventeen. You know my boy uh, Emilio HLZ's helped me out a lot. Um, my good buddy Luke Crypto, who gave me uh, you know the introduction with Emilio um, and PC One. Goldie as well, I've had a couple of nice conversations with. Um, and, yeah, just uh, Sal in particular over in Brisbane, who I've just linked up with and done the mix with for Low End Theory. You know, big shouts to him. And uh, the local uh, Perth DMB crew as well, my boomer buddies. Big up Perth. And, uh, yeah, big up Perth. Big up the, the Perth Massive. You know, it's always been strong here and, you know, we love those underground sounds. So, you know, I'm sure I'm missing some people, but, you know, that's all right. They'll, they'll get one on the next, uh, the next interview. <laughs> yeah, you're a very easy guest, so we'll have to have you back. Uh, well, thank you for your thank time. Thank you for Lisa, having me. And uh, we'll yeah. talk to you soon and check out the mix on Low End Theory. Thank you so much. To check out Jace's mix and more of our mixes, go to Low End Theory Mix Series on Facebook, SoundCloud, and MixCloud.